Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And it's important that you have a tag team partner because it's Hell in a Cell Day, um, which it I know is. everyone yes, cares it about. Is. Um, but we're That's not, right. That's right. We're not here to talk about the WWE and their pay-per-views that are no longer pay-per-views but just available streaming through the network. We're here Correct. to talk about roughly the halfway point of the NCAA season and the quarter poll for the NFL and where things stand. So, Matt, let's dive in with uh, some college football talk first. All right. In the Big Ten, um, you know, yesterday, weird day, Michigan State upsets Michigan. Uh, You know, Ohio State and Penn State look really good. Penn State obviously looking great. Ohio State dropped the game to Oklahoma, but otherwise has been fine. Um, This is kind of playing out as you would have expected, I think. I think so, yeah. I mean, and and Michigan losing sort of crystallizes it last night. Uh, You know, we've talked a little bit, and I just, I don't think Michigan is good enough all around. Uh, They have a really good defense, but that offense just isn't very good, and you saw that exposed last night. Um, and, And so I think, you know, that brings it into focus not that they can't pull an upset because they can. I mean, they're going to have their say on this Big Ten race. They play Wisconsin. They're the only one of the three who does in the regular season. And they also obviously play Penn State and Ohio State still. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we're looking at October 28th, Penn State at Ohio State, which will probably go a long way toward determining who wins the East and who faces Wisconsin because I think Wisconsin's pretty much got that division in hand. It's not official, obviously, but – Barring something really surprising, uh, I don't see anybody else capable of winning that division. Even if the Badgers drop that game with Michigan, they they are still exactly. comfortably They're in the driver's gonna, seat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've beaten Nebraska and Northwestern already, so you've got basically a two-game lead on them just by virtue of the head-to-head. Um, you know, Purdue and Minnesota are improved, but not improved enough to win the division. You know, Iowa's decent, but they've already got two Big Ten losses, plus Iowa goes to Wisconsin. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see anybody who can who can take that division. I mean, Wisconsin may drop even a game or two, and I think they'll probably still win the division. But there's a good chance Wisconsin could do what Iowa did two years ago, which is go into that game 12-0, and still facing a lot of skepticism over really how good they are, but be undefeated and a win away from the playoffs. Do you think that the Badgers will be undefeated then? They, they strike me as a well, almost a poor man's USC in that I just expect them to drop a game somewhere whether they should or they shouldn't. And they could. It becomes a question of where you think that's going to happen. And, again, I mean, they get Iowa at home. They get Michigan at home. They don't play Ohio State or Penn State. So, it, you know, the, the question becomes who's going to beat them, and I, I don't see a logical spot. You know, now, obviously – Yesterday proved, and we have, you know we'll talk Big Twelve. That sometimes losses happen illogically. Uh, you know, teams lose to teams at home that you would never expect them to lose to, and, and it's like, you know, wow, how did that happen? Um, but looking at it, just you know, if I was picking, yeah, I would pick them to win out because I don't see a real tough test for them. I think it'll be interesting. Who do you think then they meet up with in the conference title game? Uh, at this point, I still think Ohio State will wind up coming out of the shuffle ahead of Penn State, but, yeah. but Penn State looks good. They do. They do. I mean, you know, and they're, they're both um, both very good defensively. Um, Ohio State looked ragged the first two weeks, and, you know, you kind of thought same old, same old from what they had at the end of last year, but, boy, if they look good the last three or four weeks. Uh, you know, now they haven't played anybody in that stretch, so that's the big question is, 
is this a mirage just playing bad teams or did they find something that they didn't have early? Um, you know, JT Barrett is back to looking really good. And yeah, I mean, and, and having it be at home, I guess that to me is probably in the flip of the coin. If I'm going to do that, which I think is kind of what we're doing, the fact they get Penn State at home, I'll give them the nod, even though they've already lost at home once this year. But, uh, you know, I think that gives them just the slightest advantage over Penn State. But it's not much. Oh, no. I mean, I think this is going to come down to that game and really the three-way rotation of games. You know, I could see, yes. it, I could see it going where Ohio State beats Penn State, who beats Michigan, who beats Ohio State. And it could. It could. I mean, and that would follow home field. If, if mm-hmm. home field wins out, you know, they all play one on the road, one at home. So then then you get into a situation of a three-way tie. And I honestly, I don't even know how that would go. Well, though, Michigan's got that other loss now. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that does happen, you, you'd still have the head-to-head. Michigan State's a factor in this, too. I mean, they're not, they're not good enough to win the whole division, I don't believe. Um, but they obviously have shown that they're they're back to playing more respectable football than what they played last year. Um, and you know, they'll be tough to beat, you know, for both Penn state and, and Ohio state who's still playing them. So yeah, it'll be an interesting division. I, I picked Ohio state at the start. And so I think I'm going to stick with that. Uh, but you know, Penn state has been very impressive uh, more so than I thought. I thought last year might've been a bit of a fluke for them and it hasn't been that way so far. Well, and Barkley could wind up, you know, being a Heisman trophy winner. I mean, he's the front runner right now, I believe. Yeah, you know, now the front runner in the, in the you know second weekend of October, oftentimes doesn't go on to win it. But sure, right now he is, he's the guy to beat. And if they keep winning, you know, he has got a great chance. Um, running backs, you know, the the history, recent history is if a running back's going to win the Heisman, they better play for a national championship caliber team. Um, the last few, you know, that have Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram and Reggie Bush and. You know, those those were, you know, undefeated or uh, top five teams. Um, so, uh, you know, you have to keep they winning. need to keep winning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, we'll talk about another back in that boat, Bryce Love, who's probably good enough to win the Heisman, but I'm not sure they'll win enough games to have him do it. And Barkley's in that same boat. He, you know, if they go 11 and one or 12 and 0 and they win the Big Ten, he's got a great chance. But if they would drop two or three games, I don't know. Well, we alluded to it earlier. Let's move over and talk about the Big 12. Um, do you want to just gloat a little bit about Oklahoma yesterday? <laughs> I'm not going to gloat, but I was happy. I mean, um, it's always good to see them lose, and, and in that fashion was stunning. I mean, that was a game that, um, you know, I saw the score, and, uh, you know, I was watching other games, so they put the scores up on the bottom. Oklahoma scored, I think, within, you know, the first three minutes of the game, thinking, you know, here comes the onslaught. This will be 63-7. to um, And Iowa State just hung around, hung around. And, you know, I saw I had tied it in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, I'm not going to get excited. And they'd gone ahead. I still wasn't going to get excited. Oklahoma scored with like seven minutes to go. I thought, oh, yeah, here we go again. They're going to pull this one out. But uh, finally, with about three minutes left when Iowa State scored, I thought, I got to turn over and see how this ends. And I was pleased with the ending. Uh, I believe your text was, you can't sleep on the Cyclones. I mean, you can nine <laughs> times out of 12, but three times a year you cannot sleep on the Cyclones. I'll tell you, they do, they do have a knack for – usually it's at home. Um, but they have a knack for pulling a, you know, a surprising upset. I mean, it was uh, six years ago that they handed Oklahoma State their only loss and you know, derailed the chances of winning a national title. 
they haven't derailed Oklahoma's, but they certainly delivered a a, a blow. Uh, you know, one loss doesn't knock you out anymore. But with the Big Twelve looking stronger than I think people expected, top to bottom. I mean, the bottom two with Baylor and Kansas look to be really bad. But you know, there's more depth in that conference than I think people thought. Texas is has been good since week one. Um, Kansas State is good. Texas Tech is surprisingly good so far. I mean, they're they're a you know close loss to Oklahoma State away from being undefeated right now. Um, you know, so there's more depth in the conference than that. You know, leads me to think: Can Oklahoma really run the table? That's that's a hard ask with a lot of good teams coming up. Going into the season, you and I both had Oklahoma State beating Texas. I'm not yeah. prepared to move off of that. Uh, I mean, Texas is in there. Oklahoma State's a game out, but it's. Yeah, you know, I mean TCU's looked really good. I know they're in the driver's TCU seat right now. Is, but. They are. I mean, they're the lone unbeaten overall left. Um, you know, Texas is unbeaten in the conference, but has the two out offense losses. Obviously, um, you know TCU has looked good. They're playing defense the way that Gary Patterson teams usually play defense, which they kind of got away from the last couple of years. Uh, Ken Hill's been a you know solid veteran guy quarterback, been through the ringer in his career. You know, kind of gives you that savvy that, uh, you know, a guy who's gone through the ups and downs of college football, um, they look good, but you know, can they run the table? I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm just, I'm looking at the big 12 now and I'm seeing a deeper conference than what we've seen. I'm not sure anybody can, can, you know, put together a string of, you know, eight out of nine or nine in a row or something like that in the conference, like Oklahoma did last year. So I think that, you know, as I would project it, I see them ending up out of the playoff again. Um, and they may not be the only conference. This this could be a year where you have multiple teams from one conference, but I just don't see a team emerging from the Big Twelve at twelve and zero or eleven and one with only you know one blemish and everything else looking great. I'm not sure I see that happening. Well, it's funny because I was actually going to ask you if the Pac-12 has only a two-loss team and mm-hmm. the Big Twelve has only a two-loss team. What if Wisconsin and Penn State meet undefeated? In the uh, well, in the conference yeah, title I mean, there's, game, there's that, and and I believe there's a even possibly more likely one in the SEC. Um, Georgia, where you Alabama, can see both teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way they're playing. Again, we'll we'll get to the SEC, but um, you know, or a situation where one of them has one loss, the other team's undefeated, and the one loss team beats the undefeated team in the title game. You know, you're probably going to end up taking both. I mean, you know, or you could, you certainly could. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think we haven't had it yet. The first three years we've had, you know, four conferences represented. Last year was the first time we had a non-conference champ, but we still had one from four different conferences. Um, this feels like a year right now where I could see having multiple teams from one conference. I think SEC and Big Ten are probably the most likely. SEC more likely just because of the way those two teams have played so far. If they keep it up at this level and would both face, you know, would face each other at 12-0, have a pretty good argument to take both. Well, let's talk about the SEC. We'll, we'll jump back to the ACC in a bit. Um, okay. So Georgia and Alabama, both undefeated, both looking good, probably going to both wind up top five this week, I believe. Yeah, I mean, they were last week. Georgia was five, and you think Georgia will move up now with Oklahoma losing to at least four. Um, uh, you know, Alabama has been as you expect Alabama to be. Georgia – has been so much better than I expected them to be. And I, we both picked them to win the East, but I didn't think they'd look this good. They 
they look like Alabama East. Uh, I mean, they I mean, are playing great defense. Let's, and they let's are talk about loaded. the defense. Let's talk about that defense yes. before we go in there. Kirby Smart, yeah. besides having to navigate a quarterback issue, uh, right. this defense has only allowed 60 points all year, and they've shut out yeah. Tennessee and held Mississippi State to three. They've only allowed 17 yeah. points through three conference games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at it, and they, you know, they went to Notre Dame and only allowed one touchdown to a Notre Dame team that looks pretty good. Uh, I mean, that that's a game that, you know, last year we had Texas-Notre Dame. We thought it was this monster game. Turned out neither team was very good. That's a game now you look back and think, boy, those two teams are pretty good. I, think. I mean, that, that game maybe was undersold in how good it was. Um, you know, they shut out Tennessee, as you said. Held Mississippi State without a touchdown. 14 yesterday to Vandy, but one of those was a, was a cheapie at the end, you know, and they gave up a fumble and Vandy got it at the one. Um, you know, they, they are dominant defensively. And with the way they run the ball, I mean, it, it's, it's Alabama style, you know, stable of running backs, dominant defense, and a quarterback who just, you know, makes, makes plays when you ask him to, which isn't much. And that's, that's the recipe that worked for Alabama, especially early in the Saban years. And it's kind of the recipe Kirby Smart appears to have going there. It's a good branch on the Saban coaching tree, how good Smart has looked. And, and it's also a credit, I would yeah. say, to Kirby Smart because – he had opportunity after opportunity to leave and go somewhere else and waited for a good spot that he did. fit where, His alma mater. you know, yeah. it, and a place yeah. where he felt like he could recruit immediately, which he did and has continued yes. to do. And, and yes. he's got the Bulldogs rolling. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're night and day from what they were last year. I mean, last year I watched them, they were soft defensively. Um, they struggled to run the ball. They couldn't protect. You know, they ended up going eight and five, but it was it was an ugly eight and five. They had to have a escape at Missouri. Uh, you know, they they lost to Vandy. They lost the you know fourth quarter lead to Georgia Tech. It wasn't an impressive season, and and boy, this year they look really good. Uh, you know, the the million dollar question for me is: Do they have do they have the ability to win a game if they're down by ten? You know, I mean, Jake Fromm has been good, but he hasn't been asked too much yet. And, and it, you know, let's say they fall behind 10 points in the third quarter to Auburn or to Alabama in the SEC title game. Can they come back? You know, we, we haven't seen that yet. I think that the other surprising thing is how strong the conference remains, despite the fact that LSU has looked not great and Ole Miss has no. looked terrible. I mean, Auburn has rallied back to being they have. respectable. They have, and they – you know, as we talk, and I say, you know, we could have that 12-0 and showdown. Auburn's going to have their say in it because they play both Georgia and Alabama at home in November. Um, they do look much better than they than they did early. Um, they're they're getting that running game going. Stidham looks more comfortable. Probably shouldn't have picked him to win the Heisman, but um, he's he's looking more like what I expected. Uh, and and yeah, they're they're a factor. You know, they they could. Uh, throw this all into upset if they knock off one or both of those teams, especially if they knock off Alabama, because that could affect, you know, who gets to the SEC title game. Let's talk about the ACC, which is probably the one where if I was going to take a mulligan on my picks, uh, I took Florida State to beat the U, (laughs) and Miami still is fine, but, uh, (laughs) you know, Uh, injuries, the injuries have just... You know, they like you said, it was the one position they couldn't afford to lose. They lost it, and it, it sent really the was. whole thing spiraling. It really was. Yeah, I mean, the 
you know, the opening game, we kind of, I think you and I talked about it. I know it was talked about by, you know, the talking heads that, you know, you could afford a loss. You know, it's obviously either team. You know, you're playing a, a good team. It's a neutral site. You can afford it. And they were, you know, until the fourth quarter of that game, they were in the game. Their defense played well. And you thought, well, okay, you know, they're not going to win, but they'll live to see in a day. And, and then, you know, Francois gets hurt. And then the weirdness of, you know, not playing for two weeks because of the hurricane. You know, you lose the, the game against Louisiana Monroe, which would have been kind of a nice little cushion game. You know, get back, get a nice solid win, feel good about yourselves. You didn't play that one. Instead, you go into NC State right away, who's a good team. Uh, we we got to talk about NC State as well here. Um, and and it just yeah, it's it's been a star-crossed year for them. And obviously now at one and three, you know, any hope of a national title or even ACC title is pretty much out the window. On the flip side, Clemson has looked good. They've you know they have looked great. They, yeah, I, yeah, you, yeah, you know, I know I thought that there would be a step back. Um, yeah, obviously yeah. a national title hangover perhaps, but just losing Not Watson yet. seemed to be enough. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, this is yeah, a team that sure. seems ready to go every week. And more, I mean, they, they almost do. seem more engaged than they were last season. Last season, you and I talked about all the time how it felt right. like they felt like they should be there. They weren't really yes. in it. Then they dropped the one game and it's like, oh, see, they this is what pit. happens when you sleep. Yep. And, and then they got going. Yeah. yeah it kind of woke them up and. And it was, you know, they were fortunate that they could get back in the picture because sometimes that November loss can derail you. Um, but, yeah, it woke them up. Uh, yeah, this, this year, I mean, what's impressive about them this year to me is, uh, you know, what, what great programs do is you lose, you know, a strong group and you've got another group that's ready to take over. And that's what, you know, last year they were offensive dominant. They had the great quarterback. They had a great running back, great receivers. And their defense was okay, but not great. And now this year, it's the defense carrying them. And it's allowing that offense to come along slowly. Still be good, but not great. You know, they haven't been what they were last year, but they don't have to be because the defense is good enough to hold the team, you know, like Boston College. I mean, that game was 7-7 to in the third quarter. The, you know, that's a game last year where they, they might get upset. But, you know, the defense held them in the game, and then they turned it on offensively, and they, you know, score four touchdowns in the fourth, and they win. You know, they have that luxury with a really good defense. Uh, and Dabble Swinney's a heck of a story. He really, I mean, when you think about his beginning as a coach um, to now being, you know, the coach of this program that just looks like, a, you know, an express train. You know, guys, guys get off and other guys come on, but nothing slows him down. It's remarkable because you wouldn't have guessed this would be the end result for him there. No, not at all. Uh, but before, I, mean, I was going to say, before we leave the, the Dabo Swinney train, he, he was sort of on the edge of being run out of that job three years ago. He was. Ago. That's, exa- that's exactly, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say was, you know, I mean, after his first, he was hired as an interim coach. And after his first two or three years, there was unrest. Oh, he's not the guy. Uh, and, and then he started to recruit really well. And, you know, you look at the talent in the NFL, the, the skill position talent that played at Clemson, Martavis Bryant, Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, Jerron Brown, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Andre Ellington. I mean, it, it's impressive. And, and then they continue to get that talent. And, it, you know, they finally got a group that could win them a national championship and win an ACC title now two in a row. And it just keeps going. You know, now they've got this defensive line that might have four draft picks. Uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the country committed for next year. I mean, it, again, it just feels like they're 
they're a train that is rolling at full speed. And, uh, you know, it's just it's impressive to me because you, know, you look at Alabama Saban or Urban Meyer. Those guys are supposed to do this. Dabo Swinney was not supposed to do this. Nobody had this being, you know, the, the result of Dabo Swinney's hire at Clemson. But it's really amazing what he's done. Before we exit the ACC, NC State beat Louisville by two touchdowns yeah. this week. They're 5-1 and one now. Finley, at quarterback, has been really solid. Um, really good, yeah. Yeah, and they've got a, you know, a senior lane defense that's tough, and they get Clemson at home in November. You know, as good as Clemson's looked, that's a spot. And, and in the same division, you know, we talk about, you know, tiebreakers, and, you know, so even if NC State drops a game, if they beat Clemson, they could end up in that ACC title game ahead of them. The problem that they have is the rest of their schedule. They only play two more games at home. They right, they're, right. They have road games against Pitt, Notre Dame, BC, and Notre Wake. Um, yeah, yeah. Now those three of those are very winnable given the opponent. I mean, BC and Wake are good defenses who have no offense. Pitt appears to stink. Terrible pick by being. I'm just going to acknowledge that one. Pitt winning the coastal. Um, but Notre Dame's tough. But I, again, Notre Dame doesn't hurt them in the conference race. You know, even if they lose that game, that still you know gives gives them a chance to win the ACC. Um, so, yeah, I mean that that NC State Notre Dame game at the end of October is another one that you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have circled it at the beginning of the year, but now it's it's a pretty significant game. It looks like. Yeah, I mean, their NC State's only loss this year has been to South Carolina a game they week have one. Lost. Yeah, and that was and they, week one. They, they were the better team, and they, you know I think they had like three turnovers and uh, missed field goal. I mean, they, they dominated that game statistically and couldn't win it. Um, but yeah, they've they've you know now they've won at Florida State. They beat Louisville. They're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean they they will be a tough test for Clemson in November. And um, you know as much as Clemson has looked great, and they have, uh, they might need that one, or else they might not be in the ACC title game. Yeah, I mean I was just about to say. NC State could steal the Atlantic, even if they drop that Notre Dame game, they could steal the Atlantic if they win the other five, you know? Right, right. You know, so then you get into a situation where, you know, you might look at Clemson like Ohio State last year. Let's say they lose just that game. They go 11-1 and and they miss out on the AC title game. They would still have a pretty compelling case to get into the playoff, even though they wouldn't be in their conference title game. It would be interesting. I'd be curious to see how the committee treats that. It would. I mean, they're you know the win over Auburn obviously is looking better and better as Auburn you know could and if they continue to win if they would you know go ten and two or something like that you know the win over Virginia Tech I still think Virginia Tech will will win that coastal even though Miami is undefeated to me Virginia Tech looks like the best team overall um, uh, Miami's good though too I mean I'm not discounting them that'll be a good game in November that. That first weekend in November is shaping up to have a lot of big games. Uh, Miami Vatech is one. There's, there's a, no, I think that's Clemson, NC State as well, and there's some others around the country that they'll, they'll be good. Uh, that, that'll, you know, end of October, early November, we'll have a lot more answers as to where things are going. So let's move and talk about the Pac-12. Um, yeah. First, Colorado is not what I expected. So, Oof, my, boy, my uh, bad. Colorado might be back to the basements. Yeah, I mean, after last night. Uh, they had a night like we did uh, against Arizona. Uh, you know, they just they just couldn't stop the run at all. Yeah, I mean they're 
They're now 0-3 in conference. They gave up yeah. more rushing yards to a quarterback than anyone's ever given up in the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I am uh, surprised, you know, by how poor they look. Um, but they look bad, yeah. And with that, then comes the question of, you know, Washington looks like the best team, but that, to me, the signature win for Washington so far was winning in Colorado, which maybe isn't that impressive. So what do we know about Washington yet? They look pretty good, but boy, have they played anybody so far? Like it's kind of hard to judge. Although they're beating, they're beating up teams. Oh, and that they're I, playing great. No, and it's, I'm not. I don't mean to discount them. I guess just looking yesterday, prior to Colorado losing to Arizona, I was kind of looking at what they had done, and I thought, well, you know, that win in Colorado, that's impressive. And now I'm kind of like, eh, is it? Uh, you know, maybe it's not. So. Yeah, they are. They're playing really well. And, and look, I mean, they're, you know, we'll, we're going to talk more in our next talk about them playing ASU. They're still going to be tested this week. Um, their test will come in November. They got Stanford in November. They got Washington State in November. I believe they've got Oregon in November still. So, I mean, they will find out how good they are. But right now, they're just kind of cruising along, not playing very good teams so far. I guess my point, though, is though they're not playing good teams, it's not like they're playing competitive with these teams. They are they are bludgeoning these teams. They beat Rutgers by 16. They beat uh, Montana by eight touchdowns. They pounded Fresno State. They pounded Colorado. They pounded Oregon State. They pounded Cal. I mean, they're just oh, yeah, they're they're just beating the crap out of they're handling their business as as a championship team should do. Um, And and they're really good. I guess my question is, how good? You know, are they are they enough to go twelve and zero and get to the playoff? Maybe, um, but so far we just haven't seen them against good enough teams to kind of judge. Uh, you know, but we'll see. I mean, looking at their schedule, they got ASU bye week home to UCLA. So very likely at the end of October they're going to be eight and zero. But then it gets tough hosting Oregon at Stanford, hosting Utah, hosting Washington State. So you know, we'll we'll know more about them in that last month. Well, Wazoo with the impressive win. Taking out USC this week, yeah, or two and, weeks and ago, winning at Oregon and then, last night. Now Oregon was down, you know, their top two quarterbacks, so that obviously mitigates it a little. But yeah, I mean, they have looked good too. Um, you know that that's shaping up uh, to be a big showdown at the end of the year. But Stanford could have a say. They play both teams, um, and I think they well, no, they have to go to Washington State, but they play Washington at home, and then you know they're starting to look better. Now, too, uh, you know, Bryce Love is, is the, you know, top running back in the country by any statistical measure. Um, and they're they're playing better. This is what Stanford does. They uh, they don't always look impressive. But at the end of the year, you look up and they've got nine wins and they've beaten a couple top 15 teams. And you think, yeah, they're, they're still pretty good. Yeah. On the flip side in the South, uh, despite dropping that game to Washington State, USC still seems to be the class of the South Conference. I think. I I mean, Utah loses last night in their first real test game, um, you know, and and beyond them, I mean, as we talked about, Colorado, which won the South last year, certainly doesn't appear to be anywhere near that level. We've talked ad nauseum about ASU. We know they're not at that level. Um, You know, Arizona, obviously, is. No, and, and I don't think UCLA is either. I mean, they just, you know, neither team has very good defense and. You know, they're probably both teams that can get to around six or seven wins. But that's good. You know, I mean, to me, USC is going to win that division unless things just crumble on them. I mean, I can't I can't see a scenario where they don't. So here's my Steven Montez Dark Horse Heisman apology. Okay. I thought 
the, I fell into the same logic trap that I fell into with Burko replacing Taylor Kelly. I watched him play a few <laughs> games replacing Sefa Lufau yeah. on a good team with yeah. a lot of talent. And I said, that's a guy who's on a good team he with a lot of step talent. right in. And yeah. you know what? It's not true. It's not. It was it's, bad. It's it was not always as easy as. You're right. I mean, I, I've done the same thing. You know, I have. I've done it. I will do it again. Um, you know, because it, it is easy. You know, you see a guy play, you think, well, yeah, he's good. But, you know, sometimes um, being the guy is a whole lot different than being the guy who comes in to replace the guy. Uh, and, and, you know, look, he hasn't been terrible. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to dump on him because he hasn't been. I mean, he's been okay. He just hasn't been as good. And overall, they're not as good. I mean, they they got where they were last year because of their defense. And we saw it last night. Their defense isn't very good. Uh, you know, so that's the thing that hurts more is, is, you know, they're just not overall around him, the team they were last year. So the opportunity for him to shine isn't there as much. And shine he isn't. So No, he's not. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you're Steven Montez. I didn't pick this guy to be a – Heisman dark horse, but you know I was high on Max Brown for sentimental reasons, probably more than anything else, and uh, that has not gone well either. So yeah, we we've uh, you know we've had a few that look good and a few that haven't. Um, uh, you know I know my uh, my national championship pick was Florida State, as you know, uh, so that's not gone well. Um, there's there's been a few that I'd like to have back. Can't have it back. Um, I was ready to sell on the Jarrett Stidham bandwagon three weeks ago. I didn't, and I'm kind of glad I didn't. He's not going to win the Heisman, but he's been good. And and you know, like I said, they're gonna they're gonna have their say on the SEC race in November. They they could be a team to watch out for because they are rounding into form as things go along. Yeah, you inquired. I, I've I've kicked the tires on what I can get for my stock in Christian Kirk. I'm not going to give up on him, but. <laughs> You know, I've asked that's around, right, see right. if anybody's interested yeah, we're in. Thinking. <laughs> we're thinking, yeah. I mean, I was after the Clemson game. I was ready to, you know, turn it on Jared Stidham, but I, I'm glad I didn't because things have looked better. The running game's gotten going. He's, uh, I think, you know, top ten in the country in completion percentage. He's not going to win the Heisman because that's not the way they play. Uh, but you know, he's he's good, and uh, so I feel okay about it. It's it's not going to end as well as my Jameis pick or my Lamar Jackson pick, but. That's okay. It happens. All right, so let's go talk a little NFL. We're recording this before any of the games in Week 5 kick off, so yes. stuff's going to be wrong. Uh, things right, will change. Right. Statements will be dumb. But that's the point of this is to make dumb statements. Um, Pat sent me his brief thoughts on the Browns. He just wrote, all is lost, all is lost. Um, but... You know, the Indians are it's not looking, looking good. good. They so. do have the Jets today. If they don't get a win today, then things start to look really bleak. Although, if the Jets win today, they're 3-2. and two. So, maybe the Jets aren't as bad as I thought. I think they are, but you know, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, I think they are as bad as we thought. But a team that is... I think so, too. A, a, there is a team that's not as bad as I thought that you were on board with, and that was the L.A. Rams. The first I should have been more LA on Rams. board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I... Uh, you know, for some of the predictions that I went out really on a limb and they haven't gone well, it was kind of a throwaway line in our NFL discussion that, you know, I think the Rams could be better than Bank and Jared Goff might show some some competence with an actual offensive coach. And it's only four weeks, and I freely admit, you know, things could change. They could change as soon as today. If, you know, if Seattle goes in and dominates them, we might be having a different discussion. But, um, yeah, he's looked better, a whole lot better, and, and they are – 
scoring points uh, as well as anyone in the league, which is startling because the last few years they've been one of the worst offenses in the league. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to see them with an actual offensive coaching staff and they can actually move the ball and put the ball in the end zone every now and again. I think that for as wrong as I was about the Rams through the first four games, the one I, that's not even the one I missed the worst on in the NFC because I had the Giants winning the entire division. Well, uh, yeah, I had the Giants winning the East, too, yeah. And, and, of course, I had Eli Manning winning the MVP, which he hasn't been bad, but you're not going to win the MVP from, uh, you know, 6-10, and 10, which is probably what they're staring down unless things turn around remarkably. Um, I mean, Brandon Marshall so, yeah. just robbed the ownership there. He just he hasn't been took good at money all. from them. No, no, he, he's not been good. And I was really counting on him to open things up for the offense. That has not happened. Uh, you know, they, they've looked better the last two weeks. They should have won. I mean, if the, their defense for as touted as they were last year, their defense couldn't protect a, you know, last two-minute lead in either of the last two games. The offense did its part late. Defense didn't do their part. And that's why, you know, they're 0-4 instead of 2-2. Two and two. Um, but so offensively, they have struggled for most of the year, and and uh, the defense hasn't been as good, obviously, else they would have won these two games anyway. So, yeah, that, that one is looking awry. Now, I will say, uh, that division doesn't scare me. I know the Eagles are 3-1. and one. I'm not intimidated by that at all. I, I watched the Eagles in person last week, and they got off to a great start, and then as the game went along, they showed their flaws. I don't know. The Cowboys certainly look to have flaws. So do the Redskins. So, you know, coming back from 0-4 is tough, very tough. But is it possible still? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, if, if they could get on a little run and get to, say, 4-5 and five after, you know, nine games, they're going to be in the thick of it, I would say. Let me ask you, because we didn't ever actually talk about it, what was it like seeing a game in a 20,000-seat soccer stadium? It was it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I mean, I went there to see the Eagles, and I, I you know, I was you among and most people. a lot of like <laughs> a lot of like minded people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, you know, a lot of times outside a stadium, you see a lot of visiting jerseys, you know, because people get there and they tailgate. And, you know, so I got there and I, I saw a lot of green. Uh, but yeah, in the stadium, I saw a lot of green too. Uh, there, you know, what I what I noticed first and foremost was you know, start of the game. You know, right before when the players come out, I was kind of standing in the back in the shade. I wasn't in my seat. I hear cheers, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, the Chargers must be. And no, it was the Eagles coming out. It was a loud cheer for the Eagles coming out of the tunnel, and not a lot of booze. Um, so it, yeah, it was it was a home field advantage for the Eagles. It felt like, but uh, it was fun. I mean, I, you know, I I found it to be a good atmosphere. Um, I had a seat in what was the second to last row of the, you know, quote unquote, upper deck of the end zone that still felt like a pretty good seat. I mean, it was like sitting in the upper part of a lower bowl at most stadiums. So it was, it was cool. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's got a nice atmosphere. It doesn't feel overcrowded. Um, you know, I know they're a laughing stock because nobody in LA cares about them, but it was a fun experience to go to a game as a fan. The, Probably the biggest story in the AFC is their AFC West rival, the Chiefs. Um, yes. Undefeated, beat the Patriots on opening night. Yeah. It, it seems like Andy Reid. The last Reed's, unbeaten left. Yeah, it seems like Andy Reid's got the offense. Uh, you know, I heard somebody describe it as he's blended in the, the good elements of college football um, as far as 
being able to take advantage of having a mobile quarterback and spreading yeah. teams out with really fast athletic receivers. And, and the NFL was never really a horizontal game, even as college more and more got, went that way. True. But it seems like Andy Reid's embracing it and finding a lot of success. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have we've talked about this overall. I still think we'll see that evolution come to the NFL because it's quite honestly, it's at every other level. This is what, you know, players are learning to play when they're playing in, you know, seven on seven youth leagues and high school and college. And and so, you know, eventually it's going to emerge in the NFL more so, I think, just out of necessity. Um, where you know you have more elements of the spread, you and and there's some elements already there. Teams run out of shotgun, they run hurry up. Uh, you know, you see some zone read. You know, teams aren't doing it like Oregon or Baylor, but yeah, there's pieces of it. And yeah, Kansas City is is running some pieces of it, which you know might also make for a smoother transition to Pat Mahomes when the time comes, because that's more the offense he ran in college than you know conventional under center pro style offense. They're going to stick with Smith so long as he's healthy this year. I think that much is Oh, and clear. they should. Absolutely they should. I mean, you know, the, the Mahomes pick was a pick for down the road. Um, your, the team in your backyard is a great example. that You don't have to rush it. You know, stick with, stick with the guy, and he'll still be there in a year or two years. Um, and, and, you know, they should go with the, the guy who's gotten them to the playoffs and who's playing well and, you know, go to Mahomes when it's time. That doesn't even have to be next year. You know, you just kind of wait and see how things are going. I think you can fairly sit a quarterback for two years before you have so. to do it. But you, but I think you need two years of honest evaluation on a guy or sure. one year, you know, because it's different with a backup. Like I think about now with Hunley and how right. the Packers, everyone just sort of assumes they're going to trade Hunley this offseason. Right. Well, teams can't really get a fair assessment of him based on what they've seen, I don't think, from preseason. No. Um, no, agreed. But the Packers know he's not going to replace Rodgers, so they're going to deal him and see what they can sure. get. But I think sure. if you have a guy where you want to see if he's the guy, I don't think you have to be like the Bears and put him in as a as a rookie or the Texans. But yeah. I think you have to, after a year or two at the most, you have to see what the guy's got. Or you have to be prepared to I just agree. deal him oh, and go a different the, direction. The time is going to come to find out, sure. You know, but it doesn't have to be right now. You know, I mean, they've got a good quarterback. And, you know, it's different with the Texans and the Bears because they don't. You know, let's, let's be honest. My, uh, you know, Mike Glennon and Tom Savage are not Alex Smith. Alex Smith you know, probably isn't going to be in Canton anytime, but he's a very good starting quarterback who's had a lot of success in the NFL. Um, those two guys aren't, you know, so you're in a different boat when you draft a guy and it's like, well, let's, let's get him out there and find out what he is because what are we waiting for? Alex Smith is good. He's been in the playoffs a number of times. Um, so I would, yeah, I would keep riding him, uh, you know, until the time comes where you're not, you don't want to anymore. And right now that you're not close to that, you know, Mahomes is just, just learning the ropes, and you know whether it's 2018 or 2019, he'll get his chance, but it doesn't have to be now. What do you make of the AFC South and the fact that the Jags, Texans, and Titans are all two into you? Yeah, I mean, what I make this, it's you know, it's kind of a been a bipolar division so far. I mean, the you know the Titans, um, you know, week two and three, they beat up Jacksonville, they they beat up Seattle, you know, you know probably had the most offensive success against Seattle that teams have had. You know, they, they got a bunch of big plays. They ran it all over them. Um, 
and then last week they just get trucked against Houston, which I did not see coming at all. I mean, it, it's been a strange division because, you know, Houston got off to such an ugly start, probably could have been 0-2, should have been if, if you know, Cincinnati could have moved the ball at all. Um, but then go to New England, almost win. They dominate, you know, Tennessee last week. So they have looked good. Jacksonville, same thing. You know, a couple games have looked great. And then, you know, then they lose to the Jets last week. So, like, there's it's hard to figure out. But, if I mean, I guess if the one thing you can say is if you're a Colts fan, you're, uh, you're hanging in there. You're only a game back. And Andrew Luck's back to practice. And maybe, just maybe, you can make a run in the second half of the year if you're still close enough at that point. Yeah, I, I'm confused by the division. I'm confused by all of it. I mean, I, I think that quarterback injuries and things are going to take yeah. their toll. The only team that really doesn't impact is Jacksonville because they, right. they win basically by by design Playing of defense. limiting their quarterback's role. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think, you know, if Mariota doesn't play today, and I, I don't know if he's officially inactive. He, I heard last night he wasn't expected to then, you know, Jacksonville will be the only team in that division to have started the same guy, uh, you know, all this year. We're only in week five. You know, uh, Colts have obviously made a change already, and their number one guy hasn't played yet. Uh, Mariota's hurt. Texans made a change after week one. So, yeah, it's it's been a – that probably goes along with part of the feeling that that division kind of – you don't know where they're going because, you know, they have good quarterbacks. I think three of them do, but, you know, Mariota – fighting injuries luck obviously has been injured all year and and they you know the texans didn't go to watson until week two which they probably should have just started the year with him yeah i think i think that much is clear bill o'brien might, so, might not admit it but it's true no he never will he never will but uh yeah i mean it's it's an interesting division i would still probably stay with tennessee because i haven't seen anything to disprove it yet uh that was who i picked preseason i think you did too um but I yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, because because Houston has looked good enough, so has Jacksonville. And again, you know, if Andrew Luck can come back and play like Andrew Luck in the last nine, ten weeks of the season, then all of a sudden, Indy, you know, might have a shot to get to nine and seven, which might be good enough. So the last AFC team that I want to talk about, and then we can talk about anywhere. We can go anywhere in the league you want to go. But the last okay. one I want to talk about is. Buffalo, who right now going into today's yeah. games is in sole possession of first, a half game ahead of the Patriots. Yes. Uh, I thought that they were punting on the season. I thought that they were tanking. I recall. I, I was even going to say that was one. That was one of the first things you said when we talked to AFC, and and I said, eh, let's just see. I mean, not that I was picking them to go to the Super Bowl, but I, you know, sometimes teams uh, have a way of surprising us. Now, I'm going to, you know, big uh, addendum here. Buffalo's done this before in recent years. They get off to decent starts. We get excited, and then they end up finishing 7-9, and nine, um, which is probably where they're going to finish again. Like, I haven't seen enough to think that they've really turned the corner and they can win the East. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting. They, they've looked pretty good this year. Obviously, the win at Atlanta was impressive last week. and um, You know, they're, they got a good enough team maybe to keep it interesting in the East at least. The Buffalo Bills defense has allowed – 54 points this year. That's yeah, it. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I'm stunned yeah, by that stat. It's the least yeah, in the league. Yeah. It's less than Is Miami it, yeah. in, a, in in one more game. It's three points in less than less Miami. Game, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's – it's impressive. And, and you know, Tyrod Taylor has been good. Um, but, you know, 
the feeling on Tyron Taylor seems to change weekly. I mean, I read something this week like, you know, oh, the money they owe him next year looks like a bargain with the way he's playing. Well, two weeks from now, I could see that, you know, well, the Bills are ready to move on from Tyrod Taylor after the year because we've heard this before. Um, but he's he's been pretty good. You know, yeah, they're uh, they're stringing it together. Now, can they can they beat the Patriots? That's, you know, that's the million-dollar question for these other teams in the AFC East, and it has been for about 15 years now. They haven't done it enough. Uh, you know, the Bills especially haven't done it. So um, we'll see. I don't know when they play for the first time, but, you know, it'll be interesting – uh, when those teams clash, if the Bills are still in it at that point, can they can they take down the mighty Patriots? I don't think so. Um, but what do I know? I'm just a guy who I thought mean, that they were tanking this season. Yeah, uh, They don't play the Patriots looking, until December, and then they play them twice. December, right, two times in four weeks, I'm looking to. Yeah, so it, it's a long way to go before those two teams face each other, and we could be looking at a you know scenario where the Patriots are – you know, nine and four, and the Bills are six and seven. And by that point, and it probably won't matter that much. I was going to say, by the time of that Christmas Eve game in Foxborough, we we might not care. Yeah, it might not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, until further notice, the Patriots are the team to beat in that division, and they they earned that over the years. Um, and the other three teams haven't earned it. I mean, that's the other thing. Patriots have been good. Their competition hasn't been, and that's why they've had it. You know, fairly easy to get to the playoffs every year. But if the Jets win today, they are tied with the Pats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if the Bills win, you know, they stay a game ahead. They got Cincinnati, so that's a, a game that, you know, at least looks winnable. Although Cincinnati's been better the last couple weeks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they can keep it interesting. Miami, I thought, was the biggest threat. But, boy, they look awful the last two weeks. Um, so they, you know, certainly don't look like they're capable of making any sort of run unless they turn around quickly. Uh but yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Remind remind me not to pay Jay Cutler millions of dollars next year. Um, yeah, seems like a mistake. yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, you know, they they won that first game in week two, and you know, it's, uh, okay, well, not not sense. Yeah, I mean, they have six points in the last two weeks, and that came on the very last play of the game when they were getting shut out, and they scored a meaningless touchdown against the Jets, and then got shut out the next week. So, yeah. Uh, Tough go right now for the uh, Adam Gase gets the best out of Jay Cutler theory because right now it doesn't appear he's getting anything out of Jay Cutler. Is it possible that that is the best of Jay Cutler, though? That nothing is his best? <laughs> it's, possible. I just, you know. it's possible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, Jay Cutler's always been maligned too much. I, th- I mean, I'm not a fan of his. But, you know, he's had his moments where he's been good. Um, but it might be over for him, especially after not doing anything football related the entire off season. That probably doesn't help because you know he had no rhythm coming into the year. I think you can say that it actively hurt his game this year. <laughs> probably, I think you know that's a reasonable argument to be made. That you know uh, a guy who probably wasn't the hardest worker anyway. Um, you know, that then retires and kind of shows up, you know, two weeks into training camp and just kind of picks it up. Like, he's probably not going to be in rhythm at all with that team. Who would you rather have next year? Jay Cutler or Tony Romo? <laughs> neither. Did I say neither? Uh, I mean, uh, Romo's, done, Romo's good on TV. Let's, let's, let's be content with Romo on TV. I'm happy with that. 
I mean, at least he's not giving the indication that he wants to come back or that he thought about coming back. He seems to have totally no. accepted the TV role, and he is good. He does. He does. I, I think the only way we see Romo again is, you know, Dak Prescott gets injured this year and, and the Cowboys, you know, break glass in case of emergency and see if Romo wants to come back. Um, but I, otherwise, I don't expect it. And I think if he's out this year, you're out. I mean, to me, once once you're out of full season, it's really hard to come back. Just ask Marshawn Lynch. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and a quarterback especially where you've got to be in sync. And, uh, you know, and, and he seems to enjoy doing TV. He's good at it. Uh, you know, more power to him. I was never his biggest fan as a player. But, you know, hey, if you enjoy it and, and you like doing it, then keep doing it. And you know what? You don't have your back broken when you're on TV. You just sit in the booth and you get to go home and be with your wife and kids. If you want to be the NFL's number one color commentator, it seems like the path is to play quarterback for the Cowboys. Doesn't hurt. Does not hurt. Yeah, the, the history going back to uh, uh, Don Meredith, uh, you know, back in the in the 60s and then the 70s on Monday Night Football. You know, it's a, it's a pretty good way to go. You well, know, Starbuck never did it. But, I was going to say, but, but yeah. now you got both, both day game broadcasts on Sundays yes. are Dallas Cowboys. Yes, yes. I know, I know, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure Jerry Jones loves it. Keep building that Cowboy brand. What doesn't Jerry Jones love? He's he's having uh, his best he's having his best life. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. When you get that kind of money, you should be happy all the time anyway. <laughs> um, that's all I have. Is there anything else I'm missing that you feel like we need to mention? No, I don't think so. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, you know. Not really. This no, is why we work so well together. This this right here is yeah, the, this I, is what makes our system work. Is that we I had, think you ran the gamut, you know, yeah. I mean, it, there are teams we didn't mention, obviously, that's going to happen, but uh, nothing hugely noteworthy that I feel like needs to be discussed. So, yeah, yeah, here we are. You know, we're, we're in it now. Uh, second half of the college season begins for ASU and everybody else basically next week, so that will be fun, and we'll see uh, how the NFL shapes up. Maybe we'll do one of these, you know, early November. We can do a happy point of the NFL assessment kind of re reassess our picks that we made we will do that we will be back later this week to preview asu washington um little uh spoiler alert for you i don't think asu is gonna win um but (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 it's uh it's gonna be a tough one uh maybe the toughest of the year to be optimistic about but you know hey that's why they play the games it starts zero zero and then uh, ASU basketball has started practicing, which means Matt and I are going to have to start getting our reps in talking about ASU basketball. There's that plenty is of, right. There's, yes. there's plenty of football. There's Major League Baseball playoffs, which at some point we'll mention in, in more than yes. cursory fashion in the last 30 seconds. Yes. But uh, <laughs> until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. Thanks, by the way, to everyone who's actually listened and said something. Powell has uh, been tweeting a lot, and I appreciate that. Brady has been piggybacking on Powell's tweets, so you get partial credit. Everybody else who's stopped participating, zero points for you. Uh, (laughs) Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.